everybody. Let's get started. Today is the first episode out of nine of Beyond Technology Hybrid and Remote Work. Over the next nine weeks, I'm going to be covering a different topic of hybrid and remote work. Uh, this week, I want to talk about uh, the ideal leadership mindset and organizational mindset uh, that you need to really run a successful uh, business, but make it work for hybrid and remote as well. Uh, next week, we'll cover software, infrastructure, cybersecurity. It's close to my heart. I've done that for decades, making sure that people can work anywhere in the world, really. We'll look at telemedicine the third week. Uh, there, there's some cool trends that I think we can share both ways uh, between what people are doing in business and what they're also doing in telemedicine right now. Uh, product management and marketing opportunities, uh, machine learning and AI, hybrid remote manufacturing and supply chain companies, some interesting thoughts there. Uh, coming renaissance for rural Rust Belt America. I really think there's going to be a renaissance. Uh, High-speed internet is starting to become available and uh, I think that's just going to continue. Uh, generational expectations. So what, what does generation X, Y, uh, you know, all the other generations, what, what, they're different, so they have different needs. And uh, innovation and transformation, I may even move that up to the number three spot, uh, but we'll cover all of those topics. So the agenda for today, uh, I'll do a quick introduction of myself, sort of my background, give you some numbers that I've been looking at over the past uh, couple of months uh, of how people feel about remote work. Um, and then we'll dive into leadership. How, what is this leadership? Uh, you know, what are these attributes uh, that, that make such a great organization? Uh, and what does the organization look like? How do they respond? So this is really a cultural talk. And, you know, I'm trying to gear you up for a mindset. You need to create a mindset. And that, that's what your culture is. It's a mindset for how you deal with business and strategy. So a little bit about me, uh, I've started in software engineering out of college, uh, you know, with IBM. I was with them for a decade and a half, uh, worked for several Fortune 500 companies and Inc. 5000 companies, both uh, as uh, an employee, manager, and uh, consultant. I've worked in product management uh, from, you know, hands-on all the way up to, uh, you know, director level uh, and above. Marketing and organizational change management. So I sort of have a mix of all of those today. Um, lived in 10 different states, uh, 15 different cities. So I've seen a pretty wide variety of, of people uh, growing up in my life. Um, like to ride motorcycles, like the fast ones. I'm not, I'm not that good on a Harley actually, they're too big. <laughs> and uh, my sons and I love to go flying, love to go camping. There's a, there's a trip every year at Oshkosh that we like to go camp out underneath the airplane. So, All right, so Fortune Magazine published uh, an article back in March 2021. And I think you'll see that these statistics are pretty universal uh, across companies uh, and across surveys that are going on right now. 39% of people are working remotely. And of those 51%, I'm sorry, of all the college graduates in the United States, 51% uh, are working remotely. Uh, so. So over, over a third, not quite a half of uh, all people are working remotely. That means a lot of people are either on site, still working, manufacturing, what have you, uh, or they are unemployed right now. So of the people that are at home right now, I have a different statistic that, that contradicts this a little bit, but 36% always want to be in the office. 18% never want to be in the office. We all know who both of those are. Uh, the extroverts have to have people contact. They, they just feed off people all the time. 
then there are the severe introverts who just rather everybody leave them alone so they can do their job. Uh, and that's all I want to do. Uh, so you're always going to have, you know, both ends of the scale there. 42% uh, say that they prefer a mix. So the, the, the middle, um, they want a hybrid environment. They don't mind working in the office, but they, wanna, they don't want to go back to five days a week. Uh, one thing I don't have in my stats that I'm going to find a way to put in here. I was reading an article in Slate uh, yesterday. Uh, a lot of people are scared to go back to the office. Um, they have this feeling that, you know, government and institutions and other uh, areas failed them. Uh, and they're really apprehensive about going back into the office. You know, they don't want to get sick. Uh, it's kind of a change after being at home for a year to all of a sudden be thrown back into business as normal. So be aware of that uh, as you're planning to, to go back to work. Their recommendation was maybe wait until September. Uh, I know a lot of businesses are, are shooting for June. COVID has increased in the past couple of days. Uh, you know, the, the cases are increasing. So, I, you know, I don't think we really have this thing under control yet, uh, but, but we're getting there. 25% say that they're more productive. That's where I had the alternate stat. Uh, KPMG did a survey, which you'll see in a minute. 70% think they're more productive at home. 27% say they're less productive, uh, and 47% say no, there's no difference. 67% plan to resume business travel. So I think the airlines will start picking back up again. Uh, I know a lot of uh, SMB owners of businesses that there's just something about pressing the flesh, as they say, you know, being in person, reading the body language, uh, you know, gaining trust with someone. The big deals are going to require some face time. Uh, you just aren't going to spend, you know, a couple million dollars or more with someone that you've never met. So uh, I think you'll see a lot more initial meetings in person. And then uh, I think there'll still be remote meetings uh, as the relationship progresses. Uh, Slack pretty much had the same type of survey and, and, you know, think of the demographics of the people each of these uh, surveys reach. So Fortune is going to re reach people who read Fortune magazine. Uh, so they're going to lean more towards, you know, leadership aspirations or leaders themselves. Uh, Slack is going to be more of probably the tech workers and, uh, you know, people in the trenches. 83% of that demographic don't want to go back to work uh, the same way they were doing it. 63% want flexible, uh, you know, they want a hybrid environment. So a few days at work, a few days at home, and that seems to be pretty much uh, the rule. They report 53% feeling more productive uh, when they have a, a higher, uh, you know, more schedule at home. And uh, obviously it's better work-life balance. Microsoft survey is kind of interesting. 61% uh, of leaders, those in decision-making positions, say that they're thriving. And I can agree with that. I understand why. 67% of the ones uh, that don't have decision-making authority are struggling. That makes sense, too. They don't know the direction of the company. We'll talk about that in a bit. That's a cultural issue. So, I mean, that's saying a lot. There, there's a lot of cultures out there that aren't in tune with this way of working. And if you can get that culture piece down that we're going to cover today, you'll have a very successful company. So other surveys, 70% are more productive at home according to KPMG. This is going to be more of your corporate, you know, your Fortune 500 people. 95% of employees aren't aware or don't even understand the company's strategy. That is a problem in my opinion. And 66% of employees aren't even engaged or they're actively disengaged at work. Uh, 
this is the reason why I think a lot of leaders want people to work in the office. Uh, they don't trust them. You know, if they're disengaged, let's at least make sure I got eyeballs on them to make sure that they're working. That's not a really good strategy either. Uh, you're not going to build a strong company uh, with that type of a mindset and those type of employees. So the biggest thing, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar says that uh, being let in on things that the company is doing is probably one of the primary needs. Uh, you know, this Maslow's hierarchy, the bottom of the, of the stack. You know, employees want to know what's going on. In addition to recognizing, you know, for a good job and having interesting work. Harvard Business Review, the top six transformative business models. Uh, on the top is a collaborative ecosystem and an adaptive and agile organization. Uh, those are the two keys uh, that I firmly believe in and, and basing all my work on. The three main configurations that we're going to be left with, 100% remote, hybrid, or 100% on-site. Most everyone's going to fit into the hybrid model. Even if they are manufacturing distribution, the office people, you know, marketing, finance, there are some aspects that can work from home. You're going to have to work on enticing people to come on site, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. So some of the advantages of workforce, remote workforce, and, and why it's uh, you know can be a competitive advantage or even a disadvantage in some places. You know, saves commute time and energy. I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, back in when was that May? Uh, you know, after we'd been on lockdown for about six weeks, I went outside and it dawned on me how clean the air was. I live in Atlanta and it's not as bad as LA, but there's a certain amount of acidity in the air normally when you, you know, you go outside and rush hour. And I did, it was, the air was so sweet. It was kind of cool. And I saw a picture later that day taken from the mountain over LA. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but usually you see LA and a bunch of smog. This day, you can see all of LA and the shoreline. <laughs> I didn't even know the shoreline was that close to LA. I mean, you see it on a map, but it doesn't really register, right? I mean, the air was so clean. LA was clean. It's just amazing. So, you know, the, you save energy, you save commute time, uh, less rush hour. I mean, if people can get back an hour and a half of their day that they don't have to spend on the road, that's more time that they can either spend with their family or spend at work. And they don't come into work mad from the commute. Less distractions, uh, less office space. You need more, less office space if you're a leader or an owner. A lot of people have gone to a WeWork type model uh, or shared office space. Really biggest advantage is you can tap into a worldwide talent pool. Instead of having to worry about finding people locally or paying to move someone from, say, New York to Wichita, Kansas, wherever you have your corporate headquarters, um, you can, they can work remote. Maybe they work on site for the first couple of months and uh, then they're remote after that. Uh, that's the way we were doing it uh, when I was a consultant back in uh, late 99, I guess. You know, we'd show up at a client site for the first couple of months, get to know everybody, and then pretty much the rest of the time we would uh, work from home for three weeks, come in on site for a week. It worked really well. Disadvantages. Communication, obviously, you've got to have those communication chat channels established, and those are best started in person. Uh, but you know, it's a disadvantage if you've never met in person and your only communications channel is Zoom and email or phone. Security, uh, cybersecurity is a big worry. People have you know their their laptops at home for business. Uh, you need a way to secure that. Accountability, you know, are they working? Are they being productive? 
loneliness is a big issue with a lot of people. Uh, I remember one time I, I got pretty lonely during one year I worked for IBM. I remember I didn't even leave the house for two weeks. I had a, a store across the street, so if I got hungry, I could just go across the street. But uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting when you go meet people at trade shows uh, that you haven't seen in you know forever, but you talk to them every day, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, your voice doesn't match how you look, but that's good. You know, it's a good thing, I guess. Um, People aiming for leadership positions, uh, you need visibility. You're not going to get that in a remote, 100% remote environment. You need visibility of some kind. And, uh, you know, as, as a leadership team, if you're the owner of the company, you need to know, you need to pipeline. And it's hard to get to know people remotely, obviously. Uh, but don't let that stop you from having a hybrid environment that'll fit. So I remember this, uh, <laughs> this one time I was out sailing with my family a uh, long, long time ago. And uh, we had the sailboat coming back into the marina. And you know, my dad was just starting off. I mean, he'd only been doing this for about a year. And there's a lot to learn, you know, when you're doing sailing. So uh, we were coming into the marina and the, and the motor quit. And he couldn't figure out why. So we, we were kind of gliding over towards this pier. So my dad was like telling my sister, go grab that pier. Um, you know, just, just hold us on to it. And while he was trying to figure out what was wrong with the engine. So I finally got the engine started and, uh, you know, the boat was starting to move and I looked over at my sister and she's just gradually kind of going horizontal and my dad had never told her to let go. <laughs> so all of a sudden, splash, you know, so that was hilarious. Good to be there. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, let go of the past. We're going to a hybrid environment. You got to get used to it. You got It's coming. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and get going. Core values. In your organization is uh, what is really key you need to build a culture the leadership attributes that's what you know we're going to talk about today here's the top five the executives are aligned behind a unified mission more important than anything in the world uh, if your leaders aren't unified your whole organization is not going to be unified so they all need to be in lockstep and being evangelists for the same mission uh, they have awareness of the environment, both internal and external. So if they say something internally, they are aware of where people are, you know, either physically, emotionally, you know, what their jobs are. Uh, they're conscious of their communications and actions. So they, they know that in the market, if they do something, they know how the market's gonna react. Uh, I have another offering called Sentient Strategy, which I'll talk about later, uh, that, that ranks companies. You know, Apple is very conscious and very aware of their environment. They know what happens when they release software, hardware, what have you. Some companies, they're just completely tone deaf. They have, you know, zero awareness, zero consciousness. Uh, they just sort of mold along. I know you know those companies. Uh, they have a growth mindset. Carol Dweck has a great book on this. Uh, they don't feel like just because they've never done something that they can't do it. People, business problems, doesn't matter. They have a, they have a growth mindset that they'll figure it out. Uh, and that if they put someone in a position that they haven't been in before, uh, as long as they have a positive attitude and they want to learn and they want to do it and be successful at it, that they'll do it. They're focused on outcome and results. Talk about that in a minute as well. They, they don't micromanage. They tell everybody, here's what success looks like. You go figure it out. And as a bonus, they create a fun environment. 
who, who wants to not work in a fun environment, right? If, if I'm an employee uh, or even a manager, you know, if, if I'm not having fun, hey, if you're not having fun as the owner of the company, what are you doing? Uh, you know, you're the CEO. Are you, are you having fun? I, I mean, in all serious, a lot of people don't think they should have fun. They think they should have their heads down and work their tails off. No, you should be having fun as well. So how do you create goals, missions? How do you, how do you say, here's what success looks like and you know, let everybody go do their thing? There's a thing called the commander's intent, which is a, a really interesting concept that's used a lot. Basically, D-Day, World War II, they'd planned all of the things that they needed to do on D-Day. We needed to capture these roads, destroy these bridges, you know, there's a host of different items on the map that they had to take care of, and they planned it for years. D-Day arrived, it was a complete mess. It was unbelievable. They had airdrops everywhere but where they should have been. Troops were getting divided. Their leaders, their commanders were landing elsewhere. Uh, you know, gliders were, you know, overshooting by several miles. You know, by all accounts, it should have failed spectacularly. But everybody knew which bridges, which roads, you know, all these things that they've been planning for over the years. Their leaders didn't micromanage and say that, you know, you had to take it this way. You had to follow this path. So the troops that were left, they got together and said, hey, I don't know where we are, but we got to go do something. So, you know, you five guys follow me. We're going to go take this, this bridge. And someone else would say, okay, you 10 guys, let's round up. We're going to go, you know, take the... They did it themselves. They knew what the objective was. They knew what the goal was, and they were extremely successful. They all regrouped and ended up, you know, with a happy ending. But if they told them exactly, you know, you have to land on this beach, climb this hill, go across this road, people would have been lost. That's what happens when you micromanage. People just, you know, if you're not there to micromanage, they get lost. They don't know how to do it. They don't want to do it because they don't want you to come back and yell at them for not doing it the way they said to do it. So you need to give them goals objectives that are measurable so we want to you know achieve this sales revenue we want to have uh, this much product acceptance uh, our software should have these reducing number of defects you know however you want to measure it you should know the activities at a high level so your CEO level C level uh, middle management level you break it down so there's maybe two big milestones at the top of the company the middle, maybe there's seven that make up those two. And then by the time it gets down to the individual levels at the bottom, you know, you've broken it down to where each person understands uh, how they participate to those top two goals or that central goal. It needs to be simple. A colleague of mine went called on a CEO once and uh, he's like, you know, what's your strategy? And he's expecting to hear maybe, you know, something for five minutes. The guy handed him a 67 page PowerPoint <laughs> and he gets to page four and he's just like, you know, I, I still don't get what, what it is that, you know, you're trying to accomplish. Think about that. I mean, if your executive team can't even comprehend it, how do you expect your frontline people to understand what the strategy is and how they fit into it? So you've got to have strong leadership, results-based culture, clear organizational goals and lead by example. So simplify. You should have maybe top three objectives at this particular point to reach your mission so that everybody knows. It shouldn't be complicated. It doesn't need to be complicated. You can't be complicated, especially after last year. Everybody's five-year strategy went out the window in a month. 
and they haven't caught up yet. They still don't know because business isn't going back to the way it was. So skip the hybrid and remote work. I mean, we're talking like supply chains. China's moving on Taiwan right now. Russia's moving on Crimea. I mean, you know, it's it's getting kind of crazy out there. So a lot of turbulence is going to be occurring soon. Anyway, so set the right tone. You have to have a growth mindset. Element of trust and everyone's in this together with no ego. Another great story. I was sitting in on a planning meeting once uh, with an IBM software group team, one of the best organizations in the world. And they were talking about, uh, one of the VPs was talking about uh, an idea of a strategy for moving into a certain area of the, of the middleware market. And he was describing a couple of the elements and all of a sudden one of the senior engineers piped up on the call and said, wait a minute, that's not going to work. VP is like, okay, well, why? Well, because this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, if you do it this way, maybe we could make it work. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. That's not exactly the way it went down, but you get the gist. I mean, in most companies, if anybody interrupted the VP and said that won't work in front of, you know, 50 other people, that would never fly. It needs to, that, that's the way it should work. No ego. People should not have to be afraid of saying something, especially if it's good for the company. You know, maybe they might need to be coached on how they do it. You know, some people can get kind of, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a way to say everything, but, um, you know, you should have an environment of trust with no ego. Everybody's in this together. Let's, let's make this successful. Frontline managers are the active coaches. Best team I was ever on, same software group. Uh, our manager and let's see, there were there were seven of us. We were spread between San Francisco, uh, North Carolina, Toronto. We we're everywhere working from home for three years, and this is in 2000, long before uh, you know high speed internet. We knew what the schedules were at the sea level of our group. Uh, we knew what the activities were. I was in marketing at the time, so we knew what the launch activities were. We knew what the general launch messages were. Our team handled the developer tools marketing. So we were responsible for rounding up, I was, I was you know, all the, all the business partners. But all seven of the people in our group were attacking a bit of that problem, but we would have a group meeting and everybody knew everything that needed to be done. Not just by each one of us individually, but we knew what our team had to do. So our manager and us, we would each participate in trying to, you know, ideate what would be a good piece of content, for instance, and how long it would take. Uh, knowing that some of the newer people, it would take longer and some of the older people could do it quicker. But we got a general idea of, you know, what it would take to produce a certain amount of work to meet the goal. And if someone had a problem, and this is the beauty of it, uh, if someone had an issue and they, they needed some help, everybody knew what everybody else was working on. So if you got a call from one of your colleagues saying, hey, help me brainstorm this, you know, you already kind of knew what was going on. And our manager was there as a coach. You know, he supported us. It was never this one way. And this is what I see working in a lot of companies. The manager gets the goal from, you know, on high, you know, some task that needs to be done. He takes that to one of his direct reports and gives it to him. Say, you know, I need this done like this by this date. Call me if you have any questions. So there's no cohesion between that manager's group because, you know, it's sort of a one-way street down and, you know, reporting back up. There's no collaboration. You need to instill collaboration, especially if you're working remotely. 
That's the way people stay engaged. You know, they feel like they're part of a team, they're part of the goals, they're part of the mission. You can use innovation sprints in some of these remote areas, and, and I'll talk more about that. I mentioned that with session uh, nine right now. I, I, like I said, I may move that up to session three because it's uh, pretty interesting. Being remote exposes a lot of weaknesses for companies. Communications channels or the way of doing things or you know software deficiencies, network deficiencies, but just the way of doing business. Maybe it's a partner manager with his partners. You know, you're not in the office. So it's more complicated, but that is exactly the kind of environment that produces a lot of great innovation because you all of a sudden think of new ideas of doing things that maybe even work better than when you were in the office. So you create these little innovation sprints where you have people, uh, you know, they evaluate ideas, identify some areas that can be improved. And you're always looking for that 10x, you know, you, you want to spend like a million to get 10 million back or, you know, if you're a small business, maybe you spend 10,000 to get 100,000 back, something along those lines. I mean, you don't want to just sort of not understand the ROI of what you're suggesting. Once you get that, you organize a team around it, and then you go through little sprints. Let's test this out. We think we can do it for, you know, 100 grand with five people, and, you know, we think by this time we'll have these results. Go test it. It's a hypothesis. If any of those pieces of the hypothesis break down, that's fine. Change the hypothesis. Uh, you know, if, it, if it's still within guidelines of, you know, the ROI, uh, if it still looks feasible, keep going. Do another iteration. Keep going until you find something, a minimum viable product. Great way for innovation. So just to recap on that note, you want growth-minded employees, growth-minded organization. You know, they're engaged. You're not, you're not punching a clock. You're not thinking that people can't do something out of the ordinary. I mean, you have faith in people. It's a fun environment. So old habits die hard uh, you have to have to change some of the organizational attributes and we just mentioned some of them you know they have a growth mindset you know your culture has a growth mindset you're accountable to your peers so and what i mentioned earlier you know if i had a presentation in this particular marketing group i was in and i said i'd be done with it you know in in two weeks friday i was done in two weeks friday i, I may have even presented it on the wednesday before it was due to make sure i had final feedback uh, but my peers, we all trusted each other to get, you know, our, our piece done so that our, our group under our manager was successful in delivering what we needed to deliver. And it didn't matter that we were remote. Uh, we had the software tools. As a matter of fact, that was 20 years ago, so there's no excuse to not have the software tools now. We've got, we have more tools than we know what to do with. Focused on the outcomes and the results, not the process. No micromanaging. You just put that on a board. No micromanaging. Employees can easily explain what the company's mission and purpose is and where they fit into that. They know that, you know, if they if I accomplish what I'm here to do, that the company will achieve their mission uh, this way. They know it. A lot of companies, you can't go to the first line and say, you know, what what's your mission? What's your purpose here? Well, I don't know. They just pay me something and I move these boxes around. They have fun together. You know, there's different types of people and probably not, not have fun together in ways that we might think of sometimes, you know, but, but, you know, they're, they're respectful of each other. They may laugh around each other, but it's, it's an enjoyable environment. Unlike one where people just kind of show up and they don't know who's around or maybe, you know, I don't know, you know what I'm saying.
keys to successful change, going back again to the leadership. Uh, they have a clear vision. They know what the goals are. All of the executives are involved. They explain in ways the employees can understand what the goal of the changes are. And after you've done this four or five times, the employees just get used to it. They're used to being resilient. They build resilience. And that's, that's the nature we're in right now. Like I said, we're not going back to business as usual where you have a five-year plan. We're, we're, the whole world changes, it seems like, every three, three months. Uh, so this is something you need to start building into your organization, and, and they'll get there. The first time is going to be difficult. Second time, a little less so. Third time, you're starting to get you know, some steam going. By the fourth time, you've got a resilient organization. Just a, a note here to think about the ripple effects of, of change. Uh, you know, when you, when you change uh, something like a you know, software so ERP system, you know, this is a pretty big change. You have a whole lot of different impacts to different groups and lines of business. This is more of a checklist to just think through what those are. Sending a strategy, uh, this is a great strategy. Based on consciousness and awareness, those are the two key compass points. Uh, and there's 12 strategic factors that you need to look at that, you know, internally, externally, you know, brand repute, software, technology, business partners, reliability. There's, there's a lot of different things to look at, uh, but you bubble those up to the top three and you repeatedly just knock out the top three. You get the executive team together. Where are we? Where are we in relation to our awareness and consciousness, you know, and our competitors, you know, as opposed to our competitors, what are the three things that we can do right now to put us even closer to being ideal? And that's the way you need to think in this kind of environment. Uh, I also have a strategy visualization offering that I offer with uh, uh, David Knorr. It's, it's great to be able to put, you know, th this is literally a picture's worth a thousand words. You can draw something that employees can look at and instantly get the context not only employees, investors, business partners, anybody you want to share this with. Uh, so that, that's another great offering. So 30 minutes are up. Uh, and I promise to keep this to 30 minutes. So if you have any questions, uh, I'd love to chat. Mark at Travis-Company.com. Uh, you know, or go to my website, Travis-Company.com, and hit contact me. And you, know, you can either email me or my phone number is listed. So, all right. Thank you, and everybody have a, a great rest of your week. Uh, next Thursday at 2 o'clock, we'll be talking about software, technology, infrastructure, and security, and anything else in technology. So, thanks. Bye.